Don Marquis was an American journalist and humorist in the early part of the 20th century. He had a real gift for imagination. And in one of his stories, this conversation took place between an ant and a centipede. What people call civilization, said the ant, always results in deserts. People are never on the square. They use up the fat and greenery of the earth. Each generation wastes a little more of the future with greed and lust for riches. North Africa was once a garden spot, and then came Carthage and Rome and despoiled the storehouse, and now you have the Sahara, and Sahara ants and centipedes. People talk of money and industry, of hard times and recoveries, of finance and economics, but the ants wait and the scorpions wait, for while people talk, they are making deserts all the time, getting the world ready for the conquering ant. What a sobering anticipation of our contemporary ecological crisis, offered by the literary artist nearly a hundred years ago. We live on a threatened planet, and need only survey the landscape of each day's news to sense the problem. And let's face it, it can be overwhelming. I heard of a father whose son had become a fanatic about cleaning up the environment. For instance, he said, My son screamed at me one afternoon when he yelled, I can't stand all this filth, pollution, and trash. I looked at him for a moment and then I said, Okay, let's get out of your room and talk somewhere else. Sometimes it's hard to get a vantage point that separates individual self-interest from community standards of environmental sanity. Lester Thoreau, who was an MIT economist, put it this way. A developer is a person who wants to build a mountain cabin this year. An environmentalist is a person who built a cabin last year and wants no more development. The present environmental crisis is the fruit of our technological advances. There are two basic perspectives of our role in the world. The first sees that we are all part of nature. We are completely included in and a part of the whole of nature. The Native Americans represent this perspective with their, their closeness to the land and all of nature. Much of our biblical tradition recognizes the mystery of creation and how it's all tied together. And the second way of looking at things moves in the direction of scientific and medical breakthroughs to extend human life. One may appreciate a beautiful waterfall all afternoon long, but when one has COVID, what that person wants is not mystery, but medicine, developed by the scientific mastering of chemicals and antibiotics and vaccines. We are surrounded by a technological civilization, and there is no turning back. No, those who are completely wrapped up in nature say it's precisely the manipulation of things by humans which has caused the ecological crisis. On the one hand, you have naturalists envisioning a clear mountain stream and a primitive cabin, while science fiction folk envision a huge plastic bubble where the environment is totally controlled by humans. Our environmental dilemma is expressed by the advertising slogan on the sign, on the side of an aerosol can of air freshener. Bring the clean, natural freshness of a country meadow indoors. Freshen the air in your home with a clean, back-to-nature scent, as refreshing as the summer grass and fragrant flowers of a country meadow. And then in bold capital letters, warning, inhaling the contents 
can be harmful or fatal. (laughs) Well, let's turn now to our first lesson from the prophet Hosea. The time is the 8th century before Christ, and Hosea speaks of God's displeasure with his covenant people, Israel. Hear the word of the Lord, O people of Israel, for the Lord has an indictment against the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or loyalty and no knowledge of God in the land. Swearing, lying, and murder and stealing and adultery break out. Bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore, the land mourns, and all who live in its language, together with the wild animals and the birds of the air, even the fish of the sea, are perishing. How amazingly contemporary. When the covenant is broken between human and human, there is swearing, killing, lying, stealing, and adultery, and then the land mourns. The land mourns. The natural environment is disrupted, and all of life, both both social and natural, is out of harmony with the source. Each one of you listening has experienced that moment of mystery in nature when the sun is setting or rising, when the water is, is perfectly still or barely rippling, the birds are fluttering, and you experience a sense of inner peace. But you can't live there forever any more than you can surrender to technological mastery as the only answer, for that leads to environmental chaos. Listen to this thoughtful insight by the physicist Niels Bohr. The opposite of a correct statement is a false statement, but the opposite of a profound truth may well be another profound truth. In the biblical perspective, we are a part of nature and yet made in the image of God. We are born in nature, and yet we transcend nature, and that is our great power, and that is our great problem. Mystery and mastery are our two destinies. And so for Hosea, mystery and mastery give way to covenantal relationships where humility and Modesty are called for in the midst of those who embrace all of nature as part of it and those who would control it. Hear the first verse again. There is no truth or kindness or knowledge of God in the land. Truth, kindness, and awareness of God. These are the dimensions of covenantal relationships which must be honored, says Hosea, if the land is to be healed. Since the land mourns in our day as it did in Hosea's, so too does the land need to be healed in our time. For Hosea said, there is no kindness in the land. As people of faith, we know kindness from our friends, family, and church family. But most assuredly, we know kindness because we have experienced it in Jesus Christ our Lord. Blessed are the kind, said Jesus, for they shall receive kindness. And then comes the plea for knowledge. Many people think of knowledge as a string of facts. If I know this, 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 and this, then I have knowledge. In the biblical perspective, true knowledge is an understanding and receiving of our of our relationship with God. When knowledge is seen as a string of facts, there will always be one fact that escapes us. 
like that legendary ship's captain who overheard one of his crewmen ordering another to sweep the floor. And he said, don't you know anything? On a ship, it's not the floor, it's the deck. And that's the bow, and that's the stern, and that's the starboard, and that's the port. And if you don't learn all this, I'm going to throw you out that little round window over there. The key to our addressing of the ecological crisis is not amassing one more fact. The facts abound. You study the issue and you will be drowned in facts. No, the issue is judgment. From what perspective will we proceed to care for the earth with our actions? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, cries Hosea, verse 6. The missing knowledge is that fragile connection we call knowing God. When the land mourns. Our ecological situation and challenges will never be addressed solely by a naturalist perspective where all of nature is reduced to mystery, nor by a control perspective where all of nature is subject to technology and science such that we can master and fix everything. Rather, our environmental crisis calls for a renewal of relational perspective with its accompanying humility where the call to truth the call to kindness and the call to God-awareness is witnessed to and shared in our common life. And we are called together to struggle to care for the earth so that we might pass on the gifts of this earth to the generations which are to come. Has it ever occurred to you that the first incarnation was not God in Jesus Christ, but God in creation itself? As Paul said, God is in all through all, and with all. The world is a living creation to which we belong. The world is part of our own self, and we are part of its suffering wholeness. Everything is part of God's creation, and everything is connected. None of us can do everything, but but all of us can do something. And perhaps the earth stewards will be able to meet again soon and help us with this outward journey. The Earth Stewards are a group here of of members who are very committed to making a difference in taking care of this world God has entrusted to us. So, in the majestic vision from Revelation of the New Jerusalem, quote, Then God showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne, throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of that holy city, also on Either side of the river is the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. When the land mourns, the prompting is for a renewing of the vision that all we possess is a gift from God. And that the tree of life, which God sets in the midst of the vision, is for healing and wholeness. That the land might be renewed and our lives empowered by the truth, the kindness, and the knowledge of God, the giver of all gifts. In the powerful prayer posture of Dag Hammarskjöld, you who are over us, you who are one of us, you who are also within us, may all see you, In me also, may I prepare the way for you, 
May I thank you for all that shall fall to my lot. May I also not forget the needs of others. Keep me in your love as you would, that all should be kept in mind. May everything in this my being be directed to your glory, and may I never despair. For I am under your hand, and in you is all power and goodness. Give me a pure heart that I may see thee, a humble heart that I may hear thee, a heart of love that I may serve thee, a heart of faith that I may abide in thee. Amen.